the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back to the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. Time now for the second hour of the program. Good to be with you as always as we continue the conversation. If you want to join into the festivities, phones will be back open in the next segment, 303-696-1971. You can text into the show on the 710-KNUS app on your smartphone as well. So, Elon Musk completed the Twitter purchase several weeks back now and has been making some changes over in the Twitterverse. Will those changes work out? Will they be problematic? Will they turn people away? Will they bring people to Twitter? That's not the discussion for the moment. Rather, what's interesting is Elon Musk said, I'm letting Donald Trump back on Twitter. He did it. At real Donald Trump is active again. And... Folks were wondering for a while, will he bring Trump back? He did. And quickly, Trump's account rose back to nearly 90 million followers. He's got 87.7 million followers. Except, at real Donald Trump has not tweeted since January 8th, 2021, when he was banned from Twitter. Now he's back, but he's not really back. He hasn't tweeted because he's got his own company called Truth Social, a startup that is set to go public in the near future. But if he were to go to Twitter, would that undermine Truth Social? What are the implications for Trump and Truth Social of Elon Musk's Twitter purchase? Let's talk about this as well as developments in the student loan debt forgiveness saga and more with senior columnist at Yahoo Finance, Rick Newman. Good morning, Rick. Good to talk with you, my friend. Morning, Jimmy. Happy belated Thanksgiving to you. I want to dive right in. You wrote a piece for Yahoo Finance several days back, how Elon Musk threatens Donald Trump's new startup. I think it's interesting you set it up this way because it's not the conventional what's going to happen to Twitter. It's what's going to happen to Twitter versus Truth Social, given that Trump is allowed on Twitter, but he may not want to tweet. The whole reason Trump set up uh, this alternative to Twitter called Truth Social is that Twitter banned him. Uh, I don't think there's any likelihood Trump would have started this company if he still had his perch on Twitter. Um, so he, uh, True Social uh, is basically a, a Twitter copycat. It's essentially the same with some different terminology. It functions the same. Uh, and that is where um, Trump now, um, I, I guess you can't say he tweets on True Social. He, he truths. truths. <laughs> I guess he truths. Uh, that, that, that's a pretty terrible verb. 
Um, but that's where when he has something to say, he puts it on Truth Social. And uh, we, we now know that there's this uh, so-called uh, special acquisition company, SPAC, called Digital World Acquisition Corp., which uh, wants to merge with uh, Trump's, uh, Trump's uh, social media company, uh, which would effectively take it public. Um, but if Trump is on Twitter, what is the point of Truth Social? Um, there, there really is no point. So um, uh, I, that, that suggests that Trump, uh, I, I don't, I'm not sure what the obvious thing to do it here is because on Truth, Truth Social is nowhere near as big as Twitter. And you mentioned that Trump uh, on Twitter, he has uh, something like 88 million followers. On Truth Social, he's only got about 4.5 million. So nowhere near the audience that he has on Twitter. And look, I mean, he just he did just say he's running for president in 2024. If he's serious, um, he needs the widest possible audience he can get, as any presidential candidate would. So that would say that would suggest he would want to come back on Twitter. But if he came back on Twitter, what would be the point of Truth Social? Practically, there would be no point. Well, uh, to support your point in your piece, you quote the registration statement for Truth Social saying, quote, if President Trump were to cease to be able to devote substantial time to Truth Social, business would be adversely affected. Failure to realize this vision would adversely affect TMTG's brand and business prospects. You also quote the uh, Digital World Acquisition Corp, and they noted that Trump described his startup as a, quote, platform for all who have been censored by big tech with a mission to, quote, stand up to cancel culture and the self-righteous scolds. Yet if Trump is allowed on Twitter, that sort of undercuts both positions, and especially if he were to go to Twitter again. Yeah, I mean, Twitter has unbanned him and uncanceled him. That's what Elon Musk has done. So if if the if the per the whole purpose of Truth Social is to create an alternative place for people who have been banned on Twitter, and and Elon Musk is now unbanning everybody on Twitter again, what's the point of Truth Social? There is none. And I by by the way, I think that the main ta- main takeaway from that disclosure that's in the that's in the risk uh, section of their uh, registration statement with the SEC. Uh, I think the main point. I took away is this company, Truth Social, it is all about Trump. It is a Trump centric company. Mm-hmm. And basically they were saying if we if we, for some reason we would lose the main guy, the main reason people are on Truth Social, that would uh, adversely affect business. And that is what <laughs> is poised to happen any day now. If Trump, you know, the, the moment Trump goes back on Twitter, I mean, I, I think that is the beginning of the end of Truth Social. Yeah, and Truth Social hasn't been particularly successful. Yes, it's got several million users uh, reportedly, including 4.6 million followers of Trump on Truth Social, but it has been plagued with a variety of issues and the rollout. I mean, this is one of the challenges in general, Rick Newman, of the social media space is if you are narrowly tailoring your platform to appeal to one particular political demographic, the long-term growth prospects, the financial potential for that company is always going to be limited in scope, especially if, say, your keynote most important figure, Trump, goes back to the competitor. Right. And uh, this is not necessarily a, a, a profitable um, segment of, of the industry to start with. 
uh, now Facebook is profitable. It's it certainly has had some problems lately, but uh, Facebook is a completely different animal from Twitter. Twitter has had a lot of trouble making money, um, which is one of the reasons Elon wanted to get involved in the first place because it's it's really been stumbling as a business. So True Social is copying what is already a bad business um, with far a far smaller audience. Um, so. I'm, I'm not sure it was ever a great business idea. And, uh, you know, in addition to the problems you mentioned, there is an SEC investigation into uh, whether they uh, may have been talking about this merger before they said so publicly, so everybody knew it was going on, which would be a violation of SEC rules. Uh, they've also uh, ha just, had, just had trouble getting the merger done. It was supposed to be done by now, and, it's, and there, there have been some problems just within the special acquisition company, DWAC, Digital World Acquisition, sorry for all these uh, confusing uh, acronyms, um, that, that to get the deal done. So, um, and you, this is all showing up in the stock price, by the way. So DWAC is public already um, because that's how these types of deals work. And it, it, before anybody knew about that it was trying to merge with the Trump company, uh, the stock price was $10. That's basically the starting point for these special purpose companies. Um, it went as high as 175 on an intraday basis after the announced merger with the Trump company, but it's now down to around uh, 16 or 18, um, last I looked. So that tells you that uh, investor enthusiasm for this deal has really wilted. Well, and, and that really says a lot about the long-term prospects here. Again, we're talking with Rick Newman, senior columnist at Yahoo Finance. From a purely company standpoint, a purely financial standpoint, when you are just a handful of dollars over the initial asking price, uh, that's not a good sign for the, the future. It doesn't portend very well for the long-term prospects, does it? No, and I'm going to correct myself, Jimmy. I just looked up the stock price because it was about a week ago when I last looked. So now it's at 25. Okay. Um, so it's a little bit, um, but uh, you know, th this is this uh, this is all tied up in the future of Donald Trump. So, um, like, it really depends on one guy. And just think about what we know has been going on with Donald Trump and the Donald Trump brand. First of all. Um, you know, many political analysts said Trump himself was the biggest loser of the midterm elections, mainly because many of the candidates he backed lost. Um, so that will, that, I think the stock for this, this um, you know, Trump social media company went down based on that. But then it went back up when Trump announced that he was running for president. And I guess the idea was the presidential run will keep Trump in the news, whether he wins or not. And so that sort of is like a, a little bit of a tailwind for the Trump social media company. Then it went back down the stock price when uh, Elon Musk said Twitter, uh, Trump could come back on Twitter because people, you know, reason the investors reason the same thing we're talking about here, which is that's bad for tr true social if Trump goes back to Twitter. And now it's gone back up. Maybe it's gone back up because Trump has said he's not going back on Twitter. Right. So, I mean, do you? Who wants to own a stock that is based on the basically, you know, valued based on the whims of one person who is as unpredictable as Donald Trump is? Rick Newman, one final quick question on this, just to really put a pin on the point, because I did get a listener saying, "Good morning, Jimmy. Why can't he do both?" So very succinctly, why do you contend, Rick Newman, columnist at Yahoo Finance, that? 
Trump can't really do both Truth Social and Twitter? It's a good question, and I thought that through myself. And um, my way of thinking about it is, again, if he is if he's on Twitter at all, what's the point of Truth Social? Um, so, what, how would he do that? Would he post exactly the same thing on both? Um, on both platforms, and if he did that, then Truth Social is nothing but a parrot account of his Twitter uh, of his Twitter account, and nobody who's on Truth Social, everybody who's on Truth Social, would then be able to go on Twitter to find out what he's saying. You wouldn't have to be on Truth Social, and Twitter is just a much richer environment. You're you're going to find uh, just a lot more conversation more energy because uh, just there are more people. I mean, the way, the way these platforms work is, you know, people reply and, uh, you, you know, you get thousands of replies on Twitter. Um, and that, that is different from dozens or hundreds of replies on Truth Social. And one final point here I'll put is that um, Trump thrives on having enemies and he thrives on verbal combat. And, um, the only people who really are on true social are like-minded Trumpers. It is, it is a Trump true. platform, mm -hmm. Trumpy people, and uh, you just don't get the degree of argument. Um, so, you know, one of the things Trump used to do on Twitter was tag enemies of his who's, uh, uh, who are on Twitter or respond to enemies of his to things they said on Twitter, and you just do not have that level of engagement, um, and even if it's even when it's kind of ugly, uh, right. that level of engagement is the point. It's a big part of the point. Yeah. It, in other words, what Twitter does if Trump returns is undercut the value proposition of Truth Social, which is reliant upon Trump having that particular platform. I, I do agree with that perception that you share. Uh, or that you're sharing with us today, Rick Newman. Here's one other topic I want to get to real quick. Uh, you wrote another piece this week. The student debt squeeze is still on. So as you have student loan debt continuing to be at uh, record highs and significantly burdening many, uh, Joe Biden had said he would forgive up to $20,000 in student loan debt. And then, thankfully, in my view, it got tied up in the courts. You had the courts step in and say, okay, the, a couple of courts say we're going to put a stay on this. It went to an appeals court. And ultimately, the Biden administration asked the Supreme Court to take this on and fast track it and extended this moratorium, the seemingly never-ending moratorium on student loan debt payments. You could still pay them, but you're not incurring interest if you don't make payments on student loan debt. So for a lot of folks, come February, March of next year, they haven't been paying student loans perhaps in three years. What does it tell you that Biden says we're going to go another six months or uh, with this student loan pause and where we are at legally? Boy, there's a lot going on, isn't there? <laughs> So, uh, first of all, very predictable that there would be legal challenges to what Biden did last August. And the reason for that is that Biden did it by executive action. If Congress were to pass a law forgiving, Congress could pass a law forgiving any amount of student debt. And once Congress passes a law, it's a law. But Biden did not do that. And he himself has in the past said he is not entirely sure that uh, the president has the authority to do that. And you'll get experts on both sides saying, yes, the president does. No, the president doesn't have the authority. So 
totally predictable. Once Biden did it by executive actions, people sued to stop it. Courts held it up temporarily. It would have eventually gotten to the Supreme Court, but uh, the Biden administration just asked the Supreme Court to cut to the chase, take this case, uh, and rule on this at some point during uh, during 2023. Now, the court has not yet said whether they're going to take it. There's a good chance the court will take it. And if they do, there'll be a hearing, and then the court will probably rule uh, perhaps sometime in June. So at the best case scenario is that this uh, the, the Biden's whole plan, the whole debt forgiveness plan is on ice until probably June. That's the best case scenario. The worst case scenario from the Biden perspective is that the Supreme Court could say, no, you don't have the authority to do it, and the whole thing is dead. So in the meanwhile, Biden had paired the end of the moratorium on paying back student, uh, paying back your student loans, uh, instead of, okay, that's going to end uh, this year and starting in 2023, people are going to have to pay that back again. But given that the debt forgiveness is now on hold, Biden recently said, okay, we're extending the moratorium to June 2023. Um, and that is precisely when the Supreme Court's term will end. So but Biden has basically said, we're hoping the Supreme Court will take this. And, the, and in the meanwhile, before we know what the outcome is, we are going to um, continue the moratorium. No one's going to have to yeah. pay back their students until the Supreme Court has ruled. Uh, Rick Newman, if the Supreme Court does, as I think they're more likely than not to do, which is to strike this down and say, you don't have this authority, Joe Biden, what happens next in two areas? One, the moratorium. Do you think he continues it perpetually, especially as a reelection tool, if he does indeed run for reelection in 2024? And how does this play politically for the Democrats as they dangle out the prospect of student loan forgiveness, maybe by legislation in the future? I mean, I I don't know. I mean, I mean, it is getting ridiculous that I mean, the the moratorium on paying back student loans is based on the premise that we are in a national emergency. We're not in a national emergency anymore. I mean, that, this was part of the first covid relief bill in 2020. Um, and that was when Trump was president, by the way. And Trump Trump also extended the deadline uh, while he was still president. Um, look, we're not in a national emergency anymore. Um, the unemployment rate is three point seven percent. Um, so the, the, the rationale for continuing it, it has gotten ridiculous. Um, but I, I don't know what Biden will do if the whole thing gets shot down, but then you get into the situation where I think this would actually become a much more turbocharged issue in the next election in 2024, because if the Supreme court kills Biden's debt relief, then that, I think that might actually help Democrats more than it hurts them because Democrats can say, we tried. And uh, the, and they would pin this on Republicans because it would you know the Supreme Court is six to three conservative to liberal or Republican to Democrat if you prefer and I'm sure that um, Democrats running for office in 2024 would say you need, you know what one of the reasons you need to elect us is because Republicans killed um, debt forgiveness the issue with that is that debt forgiveness is not hugely popular um, it you know polls show that. A slight majority of Americans um, are, are are okay with some debt forgiveness. They're not okay with all debt student debt forgiveness. Um, so this this would become, I think, a rather tangled but potent political issue in 2024. Yeah, although I think there are some, including young voters, who may be like, well, Biden promised us that this would work out. Yeah, he gave a little bit of a warning that there might be legal issues, but he, we voted for the Democrats because of this, and in the past... 
they didn't, when they had the opportunity to pass legislation to forgive student loans, they didn't. So why should we trust them? I know I see some left-leaning younger voters who have presented that sort of argument. Congress hadn't done it in so many years and so much push. Why can we or how can we trust that they would do it? So I think there is a question, though, as to how much it really does play for the Democrats among those who support student loan forgiveness. That, that get that becomes that, a question of who wins the messaging battle. Mm-hmm. That comes down to who can who can better and more effectively um, say this is whose fault it is, and this and, and this is um, what we can do if you elect us. By the way, it does seem that. Um, Democrats did get did get pretty strong turnout among young voters in the midterms, which is odd because, I mean, that's not typical. And it may have been that um, that um, the student debt forgiveness did motivate young voters to come out for Democrats. I saw numbers that suggested the turnout among younger voters was a little less than 2018. And but 2018 had reached a, a record. For young voter right. turnout. So I, either way, it is certainly an issue that is playing among younger folks and Republicans would be wise to take it up in a much more strategic way. As, by the way, I have been arguing for several years now. Rick Newman, senior columnist at Yahoo Finance. Always appreciate your time. Thanks so much for joining us and an early Merry Christmas to you. Thanks, man. Same to you. Once again, Rick Newman, senior columnist at Yahoo Finance, joining us on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we've got some listener calls that we will open up to. If you want to join in at 303-696-1971, I've got texts to read. So we'll come back with those texts and more. What is your take? Do you think Trump should come back to Twitter? Do you think he will actually tweet again? Or is something different going to happen where he just says, nope, I'm not going to go on a Twitter and I'm just going to stick to truth social. I'm Jimmy Sangenberger. You're listening to the Jimmy Sangenberger Show here on News Talk 710 KNUS. Listen, I don't know who you are, but I do know what you want. You want quality radio, which is why you're listening to Jimmy Sangenberger. This fellow has a particular set of skills, skills he's about to use on this radio show. Are you as taken with this fellow as I am? (laughs) Grooving back, best Christmas bumper music known to man, little Clarence Carter. As we return, News Talk 710 KNUS is tuned back door, Santa. <laughs> Gotta love it. 303-696-1971 is our telephone number. If you'd like to join in to the festivities, we do have that texting opportunity, though. And we've got some texts via the 710 KNUS app. We were just talking in the last segment with Rick Newman senior columnist at Yahoo Finance about the prospect of Trump returning to Twitter, not from the will the left go mad and go bonkers mindset or approach, but rather the topic of what that means for truth social. Rick Newman contended that 
Truth Social relies upon the unique value proposition of Trump. And specifically, the Truth Social is the only place that you can access Trump's thoughts on demand, on the regular. And if you don't have that, then it undercuts the proposition, the value proposition that Truth Social brings to the marketplace, especially because it's so reliant upon, quote, standing up to cancel culture and the self-righteous scolds. That's the company's mission. So, text that came in, there's lots of people that won't do Twitter, so he needs both. See, I don't know about that. Going to Rick Newman's point, and I'm open to persuasion on this question. It's just an interesting sort of thought exercise on what the implications are. But you only have like 5 million followers of Trump on Twitter, and I presume that 5 million is about the number, I think, of, of users on Truth Social. And it would make sense that that number would be about the same because probably just about everybody who's signing up for Truth Social is going to want to follow Donald Trump on there. But more people are returning to Twitter. They're feeling more comfortable and confident if they're on the right with going back to Twitter. And so when you have that, if you start losing people on Truth Social, who are active users, what does that send as far as a message to investors, especially if the company is going to go public through the Digital World Acquisition Corporation, which they are supposed to merge, Truth Social and DWAC? So it's not just here in this case, as far as the business side, that there are users who would want to stay on Truth Social and not go to Twitter It's about what that does to the business prospects for Truth Social. But with Trump running for president, he he can't easily miss out on the opportunity that Twitter brings. He's got 87.7 million followers on Twitter. That is a massive audience, multiples the the, the number of followers that he has on Truth Social. And it's a much wider audience, and the media will follow it and respond and interact more, which goes to the point of another texter. Trump can't stop himself. He's such an attention hound, he'll go back on Twitter and further take the company down. If he does go on Twitter, that's probably why, and he will have made the determination that it is better, maybe even in the short run for his presidential bid, to go on to Twitter and stir things up there than to ensure that Truth Social is A-OK. Alexa texting, I think it is brilliant that DJT hasn't tweeted on Twitter yet. Everyone finally gets to see DJT's last tweets before they banned him. The tweets are asking for peace. Shows Twitter and the January 6th committee created false narratives about Trump's last tweets. That's an interesting angle, Alexa, that he might be waiting for a while before going ahead and returning to Twitter so that he can sort of combat that narrative. But how much value does that really get or how long does the value last for Trump? 
in that regard, because people will have been checking for a while to see, but it sort of can get passe at a certain point. Does the value eventually become greater for Trump to return to Twitter and start tweeting, getting in and stirring up the conversation again instead? I mean, it's just going to be fascinating. This is one of those things where you're seeing the social media wars go out in a way we haven't seen before. And you know what changed the game? Elon Musk, who's got a personality similar to Trump's in the sense that it is a big one. It is a brash one. He's willing to go out there and to stir the pot. The level of frustration that Musk has been bringing, particularly to the left, has been a wonder to watch. And so there really is sort of a similarity. And, you know, maybe Trump has the consideration. Elon Musk is the number one or number two, I think number two, most followed person on Twitter now. And maybe Trump decides... Musk is too big of a personality for me to bring my big personality into space. I don't think so. But who knows? Who knows what could be in the mind of Donald Trump? I don't have a clue what's going on in the mind of Donald Trump these days or ever, quite frankly. But it will be something else if he does, in fact, return. But will he return? What are your projections and predictions in that regard? 303-696-1971 is our telephone number to do just that. So we were talking also with Rick Newman about student loans, and I just found this interesting. Corinne Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, I mean, look, she's she's not great at, at her job, frankly. I mean, there have been, I have to say, Jen Psaki, did a better job than Corinne Jean-Pierre is proving to do. But she had, I think, a, a word salad when asked earlier this week about the student loan forgiveness snafus that are going on. On your question of student loan, are you talking about what specifically, just because you said two weeks has passed, but as you know, uh, we, uh, as you know, there, uh, we have, um, uh, it, we have uh, sent this up to the, the highest uh, court of the land, the highest court of our nation, uh, to make sure that uh, we move forward quickly uh, with making sure that the student loan, uh, student loan relief that the president put forward, his plan, uh, gets to the American, American, uh, American people very quickly. Hmm. Not very forceful, not very confident in that regard on an issue where you should be able to at least exude confidence to the American people in that press conference situation. But I don't know. I, I just I just find it striking how Corinne Jean-Pierre approaches things from the White House dais right outside. And text coming in, when Trump does tweet, it will be a strategic move or a significant date. Yes. In fact, here is the other alternative. Donald Trump chooses to use Twitter for something that he believes to be significant. 
a significant statement exclusively on Twitter, repo, but, but then perhaps repost it over on Truth Social. But something that you give Twitter uniquely, but rarely. So there's buzz that can be generated by some, oh my gosh, Trump just did his first tweet coming back. And then the next time he tweets, if it's a couple weeks later, then it's another thing stirring the pot, what have you. But I don't know, uh, Alexa texted that in, I don't know, Alexa, if Trump will be able to wait that long, uh, or I mean continue to wait in long gaps after getting back on Twitter. I just, he was so prolific for so many years on Twitter And I find it hard to fathom that he can stop himself from going back on Twitter regularly after he makes his first or second debuts. But I do agree that if he does, in fact, come back to Twitter, it will be something significant, a significant move or a a strategic move or a significant date. Absolutely. And we shall see when he does it, if he even does it. What are your thoughts? 303-696-1971. Keep the text coming as well. I'm Jimmy Sangenberger. You are listening to The Jimmy Sangenberger Show. We'll be back with much more on the other side here on News Talk 710 KNUS. Oh, yes, we do. Best Christmas bumper music known to man, that's for sure. Bonnie Raitt with the great late Charles Brown doing Brown's classic Christmas tune, Merry Christmas, baby, as we continue the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. News Talk 710 KNUS. Always puts me in a good mood. Good to be with you. Thanks for being a part of the program. I wonder if DJT, Donald J. Trump, could tease his truth social posts on Twitter. It's another possibility. You wouldn't want to do it all the time because then it's like, why go to Twitter or right? Why go to Truth Social if his posts end up going on to Twitter? But if he did every so often, it could be a marketing gimmick, a little to- tool to say, make sure you continue to go to Truth Social. He could use it that way. I will say Trump is a marketing genius. So who knows what he'll be able to accomplish in that regard on Twitter? And with Truth Social at the same time, I just think it isn't the smoothest or easiest thing to do. 303-696-1971 is our telephone number if you'd like to join in to the festivities. All right, let's go to David in San Francisco. Good morning, David. You're on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. Yeah, how are you, Jimmy? Uh, Yeah, I was interested in the... uh tuition rollbacks, um, as you probably remember, uh, you know, 5, 10, 15 years ago, there were a whole lot of fake colleges online, and it took years to sue them uh, to give the money back to these people, 
And so the tuition, uh, a good part of the tuition rollback is the settlements to finally get these people out from underneath uh, corrupt colleges. No, that that isn't the case for what is being no, held not. up in court right now. This is a separate issue. That has been done. The Biden administration has expanded those efforts. Those, some have been in court, but by and large, the administration's been successful in those areas. What we are talking about is the more massive student loan forgiveness for up to $10,000 for all borrowers making below $125,000 in income and up to $20,000 for those making below one twenty-five k who also received to Pell Grants. So this is an entirely separate initiative, David. It's not entirely. And, and by God, you know, look at Trump University, $125 million worth of fraud. And he only had to pay back twenty five million. No, so these are separate so from the other million the, is still outstanding. The, so so but David, to be clear, there are instances where the Federal Department of Education is forgiving and has been canceling loans for some of these private schools, private colleges that had various issues and whatnot. There have been separate cancellations from this that's all i'm saying would some universities fall under this that have been troubled sure i don't think trump university qualifies because i don't think trump university qualified for federal student loans and that's what this addresses is federal student loans. grants absolutely they did and the whole point of it and and why in the world would the government be able to do such a thing as to do the rollback except for the fact that there was fraud involved. Well, because that's not the basis that the Biden administration is using for it, and it's much wider than that, David. We're talking about all sorts of colleges and universities, private and public schools, Colorado State University, Regis University, the list goes on, but we're not specifically narrowed in terms of those schools that may or may not have engaged in any kind of fraudulent activity. This is much wider than that. But David, I got to run. It's the top of the hour. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Uh, We will see what ends up happening in court. But I would say this. I expect the Supreme Court to say, no, you're not allowed to do this. You don't have this power. There's not a perpetual emergency. It's time to move on from this policy of uh, student loan forgiveness by the president. And if you want to take action, do it through Congress. Now, I think personally, it's not something Congress should do. I think it is something that is unconstitutional in that avenue, but they'd at least have far more credence and ground to do it through the federal action of Congress than through the president of the United States. But that's it for this hour. Coming up in the next hour, let's talk about parents' rights and education and more with Julie Banuelos, who is a former teacher and recently was a finalist for the Denver Public Schools Board of Education when there was a vacancy a few months back. Should be an interesting hour. Keep it right here. The Jimmy Sangenberger Show, News Talk 710-KNUS. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.